got a little uh, a little sermon I'm going to do today. Uh, first, I did want to want to talk about um, the fast. Uh, I know I, I, I did this on the Sunday where we met, you know, at five over there. Where I talked talked about fasting. Um, this is day ten for uh, for Tanya and I, so I'm kind of over the hard part of it, you know. So. I do want to encourage you guys, if you have not, um, if you're not fasting, you should please do so. Pick, pick a time, whatever the Lord tells you. Uh, I would like to, to see some of you since ours ends, um, a week from Thursday. Um, you know, I, I kind of got this when I was reading yesterday. I was reading, uh, Matthew, I think 20 about the workers in the vineyard where, if, um, you know, the, he hired them at three and then six and then nine and then at 11. And the ones that worked for only one hour got the same blessings as the one that had, that had endured the entire, um, day, the heat of the day. And, you know, I got to thinking, you know, about fasting. You know, if you, if you didn't join in on this time, think about Thursday, starting Thursday till Thursday and fasting. You know, and that, that'd be the last week of, of Tanya and I's, and, and you'd be joining in on ours, and, and my prayer will be for nothing more that He blesses you, even ten times more than us for your week of fasting than our three weeks of fasting. You know, no complaining here. You know, well, you should bless me more because I did three weeks and they only did one. Just that He would pour out His blessing on you, and you get three weeks worth for one week worth of fasting. You know, and even if it's not... You know, you don't do the full kind of Daniel fast. You know, Tanya and I, we're not, you know, people ask us, they call me the fasting expert, and I'm like, whatever, you know. I said, I just read the Bible one time, and we try not to eat bread, no sweets, uh, and we don't eat meat, and we, you know, we drink water. We stay away, you know, from, from the sugar and all that stuff. And, you know, it's not like we're purists with it, but even if you feel like you can't do that, you know, start Thursday just doing doing away with just sweets, you know, no junk food. You know, do that fast. Or, or maybe you can just drink water. Or maybe you can, you know, whatever the Lord leads you to do. But please join us. I think it's very important that we, I don't, to me, it's just it just pulls the weeds away and it just sets up the whole growing season for the year and you know you get it, you get in tune with them. One of the best things I found that this year is when I am hungry, um, I'm, I'm trying to do. Um, I, I am doing. I've already done two um, 24-hour just water fasts, and you know, and they're they're very difficult. Uh, I, I, I thought I'd do three days just water, but I kind of chickened out on that a little bit. I'll go ahead and confess to that. But I did. I've, I've done three just one day um, water fast, water only fast, and. And man, I'm telling you, I mean, it is hard, but as I get hungry, man, it's like I've just been wanting to gravitate toward my Bible. And when I get a little break, I'll go read a chapter and I'll talk to him. And, and, and yeah, when I, when I think about it, I am hungry and I wish I had something to eat, but it's when I start working, it's like I forget all about it and he sustains me. Um, one of the, the coolest, I, I, I didn't even ask him to do this, but I, the, we, I had been for about a month and a half just having headaches every three days. I have no idea why it was every, but it was like clockwork, sinus headaches and all this. And um, sure enough, like normal when I fast, that third day, I was miserable. I was, my, my head was just, it was really pounding and everything. But once I got on the other side of that, I just realized like yesterday, man, I have not had that whole three-day cycle of headaches has been gone. You know, I am the Lord that healeth thee. I didn't even ask him to do that. 
and he and he took that away. So, man, I, I think it's just so important for our church. Pray, you know, that God's spirit resides here. Pray that he sets up his throne here and we experience his presence like never before. Because it's only going to happen if we as individuals get in our quiet time and spend time alone with him. Church is nice. Church is wonderful. I love it. But there is no substitute for you by yourself alone with the Word of God and talking to Him and listening to Him. You cannot substitute for that. Seek Him while He may be found. So I do want to encourage you to think about that. Um, the starting maybe Thursday to Thursday. You know, that'll give you time to eat up all the junk food in your house and drink your last gallon of sweet tea and all that good stuff that, that we do before we, pray, pray, before we, before we start. And like I said, if you don't feel the Lord leading, pick a, pick a time, pick a block of time, pick three days a week, 21 days, um, 40 days. You know, that's what Jesus did in the wilderness before he started his ministry is, you know, he took off, you know, for 40 days and, and fasted. So just consider that. So, but today's sermon, which I've kind of eaten into my time pretty good, is, uh, is called Jacob's Process. And what I, uh, have done you know, I'm trying to, to parallel what the children are doing in there with the Beatitudes. And I believe the, the Beatitudes reveal a process uh, to Christianity. It's the, the beginning stages of Christianity being poor in spirit, absolutely knowing that you offer nothing to God. You have nothing that you can give Him nothing that He wants. He wants you. He wants your Life, so that all you can bring to the table is, Lord, I surrender my life to you. Will you forgive me? Will you cleanse me? And when you begin to remodel me, will you begin to remake me? And the process begins right there. You know, I don't, I, I, I hate hearing that, you know, the preachers make it sound like it's final. As long as you said the prayer, you are good to go. I, I would, I would disagree with them wholeheartedly. If you've said the prayer, then you left the starting line. That is all you've done in a marathon. You've, you left the starting line. That's all. There's a process. There's a thing he wants to bring at you so the kingdom of heaven cannot just be what's out there on the other side of death so that the kingdom of heaven can be here on this earth. He can set up his presence in your life. He can set up his presence in your house. He can set up his presence in this place, in this church. That's what it's all about. And I was reading through Genesis, and I, I, I started reading the life of Jacob, and I just started seeing how he went through the process. And so, before I get started, um, let me pray. Father God, uh, thank you so much uh, just for, for your word, for your spirit that's here, Lord. I feel you mightily, Lord. I know you are here. I know we're in the beginning stages, Lord, of maybe you even building a throne here, Lord, in your presence residing among us because there is nothing that we could have that would be a greater honor, Lord, than to just walk near this place, to drive by our place and to feel you and to know you're there and just to put a big old smile on our face because say, man, the presence of God is right there. That's 
all we chase. That's all we seek. So this year, Lord, I pray that we will empty ourselves as individuals. We'll remove the weeds. We'll remove the the junk that does not need to be there. We'll clean out our hearts, Lord, and we will begin to spend time with you and let you cultivate that righteousness within us, Lord, and that we will just become what you want us to become because when that happens, it will be a place, Lord, where you can reside, which is what we seek More than anything in this world, Lord, there's nothing like you and your presence. Open our eyes so that we can see, our ears so that we can hear, our minds so we can know, but our hearts, Lord, so that we can love you even more. There's no one like you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I do believe there's a process to becoming Christ-like. You know, much like I explained last week, you're saved, you're anointed, You receive His presence, and then you operate in the glory of the Lord. That's the vision for Lifeline Community Church Church that I have. You, You get saved. You are anointed to do God's work, so you grow in that work. The more you grow, the more of His presence you receive, the more presence you receive, the more you want, and the more you begin to operate in glory where everything you do, everything you do succeeds, not because you're so great, but because He has changed you and you have submitted to His will. That's the plan. That's the cycle. He will do it within us as a group, and He will change us so that we're the ones greeting. We're the ones back in the nursery holding those babies and praying over them. You know, not just getting through the service, but saying, Lord, here's your child. Lord, will you work in them? Will you work in our hearts so that we do what we need to do to cultivate that relationship so that they have a love for you at a young age and and they don't have to try out the world to figure out that you're good. You know, and we're the workers back there in C40 getting in that rotation and, and teaching the next generation how to love God and what adults do when they've been changed. You know that you're not just out here greeting, showing up 40 minutes early, but you get to be here 40 minutes early so you can pray and you can anoint the place and you can walk and say, I bind every evil spirit that would hinder anybody from hearing your word. And as you shake hands just in your mind, a quick prayer, Lord, change their life today. If they don't know you, may they know you today. If they do know you, Lord, take them a step further to where they need to be to make them more like you. When our hearts have been changed by anointing and presence, that's the way you treat these jobs. You don't have to come here. I don't have to come here and preach anymore. I get to do this, you know, and it's it's in my heart to do this. And the more you grow in your relationship with Him, the more you will want to do these things and not have to do these things. I didn't have to lead praise and worship today. I got to. Like Carl said, I got to sing the old stuff that I really enjoy and that I used to take for granted as a kid. And and now these songs, man, I'm like, I get it. This is what they... This is what they were talking about. So, so the more the Lord works and changes, we begin to operate in glory. And you operate in glory when you do His work because you want to, not because you have to or because you're just meeting a need or filling the time till you know something else or somebody else decides to do it. So you're, there's, the, the process begins. And I'm going to talk about Jacob's process. 
And I feel like, you know, there, there's part one, the sinful heart. We're all born with sinful hearts. I mean, you know, the, the newborn baby, I know they're beautiful and we say things like they're perfect, but they are far from it. They are all about me and they are all about mine. And unless their heart changes, they'll be 50 and they'll still be all about me and all about mine. That's just the way it is. We're all born with sinful hearts. But through Christ Jesus, we can be saved. Those black hearts can become what I call red hearts covered in the blood where He does not see you and your sin anymore. He sees the blood and His Son. You are, He has been a substitute for your sin. He has given you righteousness he has given you salvation. You didn't earn it. You were poor in spirit, but He gave it to you. And then through that, there's the anointing and presence. And, and these, you know, they, they, they're not separate. They kind of work together. But the anointing I see as green and growing in God and growing, you know, like the spring will, will produce here, it begins to grow inside of you. Christ begins to grow in you, which brings presence, which makes your heart white, clean, and clear. You're, you're white, you're saved. You, he, he's made you what He wants you to become, and then you begin to operate in that glory which is gold, you know, because you have something to offer people. You live a life that other people say, I want that. What do you have that I don't? I have Christ Jesus living in my heart. Yes, I fought Him kicking and screaming early in my life, but the more I follow His ways, the more He changes my heart, and I see the blessings and all these sinful things that I thought were so great that I let go of reluctantly. All he did was produce blessing and it's been amazing and there's nothing like living for him. I trust him. I trust him with my life. There's no one like him. So today, I just kind of want to hit the two, first two parts. Sinful heart and saved. Okay, And we can see this in the life of of Jacob. But first, I want us to talk about how Jacob began in the first place. And this starts in Genesis chapter 25 in verse 19. This is the genealogy. Now, I haven't looked, but I've probably read y'all about every genealogy there is in the Bible up here, but I'll have to look and see if there's any that I've missed. But this is the genealogy of Isaac, Abraham's Son, And, of course, we've talked about how Abraham, you know, offered him up as the sacrifice and God stopped him and said, no, you know, I don't want you to kill him. I want him to live. Uh, so that Isaac, Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah as wife, the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian of Padanaran, um, the sister of Laban, the, the Syrian. Now, Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife. Of course, we've done the same thing. You know, we've had infertility issues, and I'm, I've pleaded with the Lord. We've pleaded with the Lord together for his, or for, his, for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his plea, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. Okay? But the children 
struggle together within her. So here God is answering this prayer within this woman. And she says, if all is well, she's like, okay, I I know God's answered my prayer, but there's just this, this crazy stuff going inside of me. If everything's okay and God's answered our prayers, why am I like this? So she did what we should all do, inquire. She went to inquire of the Lord. And the, na- and the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. Two peoples shall be separated from your body. So automatically she said, well, there's part of the reasons. I got twins in here. You know, so the Lord tells her this stuff. And says, one people will be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. So right off the bat, the Lord's giving her some insight saying, yeah, I know usually it's the older, you know, that receives the blessing, but I do want you to understand that the younger is going to be the one that receives the blessing here. So he let her know this. So God spoke to a woman, and as you're going to see in a little bit, this causes her, causes her to manipulate things a little bit. And this is not the first time that this has happened. This happened back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 13. The Lord said to the woman, which is Eve, what is this you have done? She had eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. It was his fault. It's not mine. It was his fault. And so Eve hears this. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you did this, you're cursed more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman. There's going to be this hatred between you and the woman that, that, that I've put there and between your seed... And her seed, I love how seed right there was capitalized because, you know, this, this is a, a prophecy for the coming Messiah for Jesus. He shall bruise your head. Satan, the day this seed comes out of her body, through it comes through her line, your head will be crushed. You're going to bruise his heel. Yeah, you're going to do a little damage. Yeah, you're, you're going to think you won because you're going to put him up on that cross and you're going to think it's over. You're going to think you, you won. But three days later, guess what's going to happen? Serpent, devil, the Christ is going to come out of the grave. He's going to show himself to over 500 people. They're going to see him alive and all of a sudden they're going to believe And they're going to follow me, not necessarily because of what they believe or what they've been taught, but because of what they saw. They will see him with their own eyes and there will be no doubt in their mind that he is the Messiah. He is the chosen one. He will crush your head. And you will do a little damage to him, but he's going to annihilate you. There's the prophecy. Eve heard this. Now she didn't understand that how God 
works. You know, if there's one thing I've learned about God, He is not a microwave God. He does not worry about, oh, I'm going to put this in here and everything's going to be fixed in a minute or two minutes. He is seed, time, and harvest. You plant the seed, you cultivate the seed, and over time you will grow and it will grow into a harvest if you take care of it, if you let Him work, if you stay with it. He is not a microwave God. He is a seed, time, and harvest God. Eve didn't know this. Okay, it was just her and her husband. I mean, that's that's it. They they did they didn't know. And what this caused her to do was when Cain came out of the womb, she treated him like with the help of the Lord, the Lord he has brought I have brought forth a man. She thought he was the savior of the world and she treated him accordingly. And I'm reading a lot into that, but that's the way I feel because I think that's why Cain was so angry when he saw the Lord bless Abel's offering and reject his. He's looking over there thinking, I'm the chosen one. I'm the one, Mama said, where I'm going to be the one to crush the the serpent's head. I'm going to be the one that restores us back to, to paradise. Why are you blessing him? And he had the opportunity. God said, listen, sin desires to to have you. But you've got to master it. There's a process that I will help you master this if you will let me, Cain. But Cain says, obviously in his heart, no. I'd rather remove him. And then I'll be the only seed left. So now, Lord, you'll have to use me. And of course, he does not. You know, he murders his brother. He gets banished. Adam and Eve have another kid named Seth. And Seth is the one who would produce the genealogy that would bring us to Jesus and David and and all of that that we read. So this has happened before that that God reveals a prophecy to a woman and the woman manipulates kind of a process that maybe she necessarily shouldn't have. So, we, um, we have Jacob now born into the world. And Jacob has a sinful heart. And we know this. Let's start in Genesis chapter 25, verse um, 24. We got, so when her days were f- fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed, there were twins in her womb. Okay, so it's like, whoa, what God said, that's true. There really were twins in here. Uh, and the first came out red. He was like a hairy garment all over, which I think is just crazy. So there's a, there's a red baby, hairy baby coming out. And so, you know, so they called his name Esau, which wouldn't that have been crazy if it had been Elmo? Okay. Um, anyway, afterward, his brother came out and his hand took hold of Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. You know, and I think about Tanya and I's journey to having children. Man, you know, he married Rebecca when he was 40, and his children came out when he was 60, a 20-year process. So the boys grew, and Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field. But Jacob was a mild man dwelling in tents. Isaac loved Esau, you know, because it's his boy? No, because he ate of his game. 
So I, you know, the, the Esau was a mighty hunter, obviously brought home some of the best deer meat that was out there. But Rebecca loved Jacob. There it is. We see Jacob being favored a little bit. Well, why? Well, God told her the younger's going to serve the older. You know, instead of just trusting that God can make this bring about, she does some things to, to kind of manipulate this process. Now, here's how we know Jacob has a sinful heart. Jacob cooked a stew. He wanted the blessing of the firstborn. He knew that meant power, that meant money, that meant prestige. It meant all that stuff. Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me some of that red stew, for I am weary. Therefore, his name was called Edom. And anytime you read about the Edomites or whatever this is, this is Esau. But Jacob said, you want some of my stew. You want some of what I created. Then sell me your birthright. As of this day. It's mine. I get the first. So this means like if Abraham's worth, say, $3 million. Well, now all of a sudden, I get the $2 million. You get $1 million. I get, the, you know, we'll say Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. So, I mean, Esau has given up a lot here. Now, we know more about what he's given up than what he's given up at the time. But Esau said, look, I'm about to die. So what is this birthright to me? I've got this temporary need, and I need to fill it now. I'll go ahead and fill it. I don't care about this birthright. Jacob said, swear to me as this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Jacob gave to Esau uh, bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank, arose, and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. So here's Jacob. Man, he's just a manipulator. He's like, I, I want what you have, and I'll do what, I'll use whatever my talents are. I can cook. And you know, since I'm a good cook, I bet I can catch you on a day where you've hunted all day and you come and you, you hunt, you've hunted all day and you're tired and you're weary. I bet I could get you to trade your birthright for what I cook. He is out to do just for Jacob. He's out for himself. He's not out to bless anybody else. We've all been there. I've been there using my talents and what God has given me to glorify me and get what I won't. And see, I think about this every time I see, you know, people, you know, whether it be people in my class or people at work, because people are like this. I want maximum reward. I want the birthright. I want the high-paying job. I want the good grades, but I want to do the minimum effort for it. I want to do as little as possible. I, what, what grade do you want? I want an A, but I don't want to have to do any homework. I don't want to have to listen to you in class. I just want the results. You give that to me. Heard a kid say that. He's like, man, I wish I could just get the grades and not have to come come here, you know, anymore. I said, you know what? If you keep that attitude, you're going to go to work and say, man, I want my paycheck. But I don't want to have to work for it. I wish I could just sit here and do nothing and receive that reward. I said, you need to change your attitude about that. Learn to love the things 
that you have to do. And the more I thought about that, I'm like, you know what? You can't do that unless God changes your heart. You know, God has to put that inside of you to where you're working at what you do as unto Him. Not for people and not for earthly rewards, but for Him. And so Jacob has a sinful heart. Now let's go to Genesis chapter 27, starting in verse 21, because here's where I feel like Jacob got saved. And this pertains to us in such a cool way. Isaac, his dad, said to Jacob, Please come near that I may feel you, my son, whether you are my son Esau or not. Because it was time, Isaac felt it was time to transfer that blessing. He was going to transfer it to Esau. Now, so he said, go fetch me some game, you know, make me a good meal, and I'll give you that blessing. Now, here comes Mama, Rebecca, saying, no, you know, I, you need to come here, Jacob, because Esau, he's out hunting now, and he's going to get that game, and he's going to take it, and your father's going to bless him. But I know how to manipulate this and make you get the blessing. So she puts on a like a furry uh, coat of his, uh, of Esau, and, and she, she does what she can to make him look as close as possible and smell as close as possible to Esau so that Daddy will think it's him because he's very old, his eyesight's poor. And so he, Isaac comes in and he's like, I'm not sure. He said, why don't you, please come near. I want to feel you, son, because I know, you know, that Esau is very hairy. And whether you're really my son, I want to know if it's really you or not, because I'm not so sure. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice. You sound like Jacob, but the hands, I'm feeling your hands. It's, it's the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother's, Esau's hands. So he blessed him. He got the blessing even though he did not deserve it. He went before his father pretending to be somebody else and received the blessing. In the name of his older brother Esau, he received the blessing. I believe this is a picture of salvation. I didn't know this, but the day I was 16 and I said, Lord, will you come into my heart? Will you, will you be it? Will you save me? He clothed me in Christ's righteousness. I'm just a, a sinful dude doing just like him, living for, for me. And maybe you were like me and you didn't have the purest motives when you, when you got saved. Or maybe you were like Jacob and you didn't have the purest motives when you got saved. But God has a process and this is how it begins. He clothes you in righteousness and He does not see you. Guess who He sees? He sees His Son, Jesus He's like, I know that's Adam's voice, but inside of his heart, look how it yearns after me. I see my son. 
So I see him, I'm going to give him the blessing, not because Adam's so great, because, because my son is in him. I see him. You know, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro, seeking those whose hearts yearn towards him. So that is step one. You ask the Father to bless you through the Son, Jesus Christ, and He clothes you in righteousness. And we're about to see that Jacob, in the in part two of all this, and I won't be able to do this till uh, for a couple of weeks, because like I said, uh, that the the person you know Rick comes in and fills for me every once in a while. He's the teacher. Well, the other teacher that I was telling you about, Brock Bailey, he's going to be here sharing what he does with Family Life Ministries uh, next week. So I will be playing the guitar and the band that was here last week. Um, we'll we'll be playing again, and we're trying to make that feature fourth song, "How Great Thou Art." So we're trying to to really make it really something special. So. Be here next week. Um, but I want you, after this, and here's what I want you to think about. After he received the blessing, Esau was so angry at his brother that he was seeking to kill him. And so what Jacob did was he left there and went to his mother's country. And the picture is, after he got saved, he left his old life behind. And last week, that's where I talked about that anointing and the presence. When he left his old life behind, he received the presence of God. He said, man, the presence of God is here, and I didn't even know it. This is amazing. And he anointed the ground and called it Bethel, the house of God. And so that was, he had to leave his old life behind. And then he received the presence. We want it the other way around. God, if you'll show me your presence, then I will give my life to you. Then I will be saved. And God says, no, you trust me and you leave your old life. Then I show you the presence. The same thing happened to, to Moses. If you remember, Moses killed the Egyptian. And he said, I know that Pharaoh will kill me because of this. So what did he do? He left Egypt. And after he left Egypt, then he saw the burning bush. Then he got God's plan for the rest of his life. And that's all I encourage you guys. I know if you've been saved, if you've asked Him to forgive you, there is a process that He wants you to go through where you are anointed to learn His Word, to receive His Word. He sees you as clean and pure. And through all that, He will reveal His plan and what He wants you to do with your life. And in this church, He will do all that. And as you grow in Him, He will reveal his presence because Jacob yes he was saved but God was not finished with he had some things in his heart that he thought and God says you know what I'm going to to change you and that's what I want to look at in two weeks is what God did in his heart to change him and make him what he wanted to become so that he could operate in Glory, so he could give to people uh, what what uh, what people needed, something that they that they wanted that, that he had. So, thank you, guys. Um, let's pray, Father God. Thank you for this message. Thank you for just being 
uh, you. Thank you for being awesome in this place. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you let me, Lord, uh, bring it. I mean, I know, Lord, that I, I'm just a nobody, but I do love you, Lord, because you have reached out and you've changed me so much. And, and I know, Lord, that just only being saved, you know, 23, 24 years, that, though, oh, Lord, I hope the next 23, 24 years that, that you change me just as much, if not more, Lord, because I just want to be more like you and I want to feel your presence, Lord, because there's no one like you. I pray, Lord, for a blessing over the people as we work this week, Lord, that we'll do all for your glory and honor, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.